Hello to all my friends at that kind of epic show. It's me, Super Mario. Mamma mia. You guys, you're number one. Hey guys, uh, David West here with Kind of Epic Show. Um, bit of a different episode for a change. Um, just me, uh, kind of leading between interviews from Indie PopCon 2016. Right here, uh, by myself. Uh, yeah, should be fun. Anyways, uh, we had a great time at the convention, got some great panels. Um, check our YouTube page for the panels. It's www.youtube.com slash DarthDaw37 is a, a good link to use to get there. Don't ask me about the, the name. It's uh, it's quite old. Um, yes. So, this is where we're going to stick some other interviews that we did. Uh, first up will be Jennifer Hale. It's actually a, our shortest interview. There was a bit of an accident that happened. Uh, at the time of recording, someone knocked the uh, support out from the uh, banners that are behind the autograph area. And I kind of almost not really saved her life. Now, I'm joking. That's over an, an over-exaggeration a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I did catch it, which was fun. Not really. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's a lot easier to do this when there's someone to bounce it off of. Anyway, uh, here is our interview with Jennifer Hale. You will know her from all things, from Mass Effect to uh, Star Wars to Avengers Assemble. She's one of the top voice actresses in the industry. So, uh, yeah, here we go. Pardon the interruption that happens in the middle of it, like I said. And just enjoy getting to hear from an amazing talent such as Jennifer Hale. All right, thank you. Do it, yeah. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're here at Indie PopCon 2016, uh, and we are at the booth of one Jennifer Hale. Yes, I'm going to move this this way because I have a quieter voice than you. There we go. Ooh, it is picking it up you beautifully. <laughs> I'm not saying yeah, that I'm tongue-tied. I'm a little tongue-tied. <laughs> but... Um, is appropriate because uh, we have a very, very famous and popular voice actress in front of us. Oh. As I said, one Jennifer Hill. I've said thank, that three times. Thank you. Again, not <laughs> flustered at all. But uh, all right. Uh, well, thank you again. Um, essentially, I will just cut to the chase. <laughs> uh, your bionics are very strong, knocking, knocking shit over. Everywhere. Oh no, yeah. Sydney's very strong. Yeah. <laughs> Project Zero over there. Right, yeah. exactly. But. Uh, oh, oh. You heard it here on Kind of Epic Show. The, <laughs> <laughs> the Kind of Epic pole uh, falling on the head. Yep. So, um, just to, to be very quick, like I said, I represent a lot of uh, publications that deal with diversity in, in games or in popular culture. And yeah. 
a lot of the roles that you have over here on, on the booth um, with Bioware and with other companies um, are that, yes. especially for, for the LGBT community. In yes. fact, you get to cross several of the alphabet, yes. or letters off of the alphabet. I do, there. I do. Um, so to start with, um, just a quick question about um, about the Krem, the character yeah. there. Yeah. Did you uh, approach the character uh, in, in any different way, um, especially since it has dialogue specifically about gender, about characters? confronting their uh, the character for uh, for being uh, a trans character. Yes, I did. Bioware came to me with that, and I was really honored that they would ask me to to be part of breaking that barrier. And um, I did quite a bit of research, you know, documentaries, conversations, uh, just to because I really wanted to honor it in in the manner that that it you know every barrier breaking deserves. And just tried to connect as deeply as I could to the facts, not the myths, not the the hearsay, and not the guessing, but the facts yeah. of what it's like to be a transgender person. And then uh, a similar thing with uh, the romance or the playable options in, in uh, Mass Effect. Yes. For, um, if you hadn't noticed, this was uh, with Shepard. Yes. Um, but, and again with the... I'm sorry. <laughs> but... Um, uh, but, the, but the fact that that was uh, a fleshed out, that you had had that, that option um, there. Yeah. Was it a, did you have a similar reaction or a similar um, kind of type of preparation when yes. you got the script for, for yeah. that as well? Yes, I mean, I, well, love is love is love is love is love. You know, that's really the bottom line on that one. You know, as someone said to me once, uh, a friend of mine who's bisexual, I love a person, not a gender. And uh, I thought that was very well put. And the way that it really, for me, though, comes out of the writing in all cases. The writing is just so phenomenal in those projects. It's it's a joy to just show up and do it. And it, you get a wee bit emotional when you're getting the, the scriptures like, yeah, you're coming back. It's picket fences and X number of children. We're very specific in this particular. Uh, I never get the script ahead of time. Yeah. It's always what they call a cold read. I show up and I see it for the first time in the booth. And, uh, and then I just jump into the experience and have the experience. So I don't really spend a lot of time commenting on it in my head. I don't have time. Yeah. Let's say the, the amount of hours that are required for you to have went through all of the different scenarios, even if you had been uh, yes. in said game, have you... I'm not going to ask if you've played through them all because I don't think I have even done that. <laughs> I can tell you I have not. <laughs> uh, how, have, you, have you had the chance to see them realize that? Because as you say, it's not something where you get to necessarily interact with the other voice actors in those Yes, uh, I've seen some, I've seen definitely some wonderful clips and some yeah. cinematics and things and it's great. It's really great. Yeah. 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 And then um, this is the, the question that you probably get dozens of times, if not hundreds of times. And so you can just say, no. <laughs> but um, do you have any any um, just kind of pointed tips or about people who are interested in getting into voice acting for video games just in, in general or or I should go <laughs> <laughs> no I'm joking I'm joking yeah I mean I think the number one thing is you've got to uh, acting 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 it's acting it's acting it's acting it's acting it's acting um, and second to that you, you have your technical things I think everyone who's on the in the booth should spend some time engineering someone speaking and having to edit it so they know what that's like so they can be a better performer for the crew um, also it's never about the voice it's always about the character um, character voice comes from character character first no matter how out there and broad it is 
um, take classical singing training or, or some sort of Broadway belt training so you don't blow your voice out. And uh, it's not about you. It's never about you. It's about the project. And then this is an unfair question. So there are several colors uh, that are available in, in a certain... Let's say that they were flavors of candy, like in one was green and red, and then one was blue. Do you have uh, a particular uh, option? I can't just say... <laughs> right. I, I can't think of a good question about the end of Mass Effect 3. I was just going to say if you did have a favorite, uh, again, with the scripts. Oh. I know there's... I couldn't think of a good question. I'm wasting this question. <laughs> no, you're not. Well, I mean, it's a good... The point for me is that I love how invested everybody was. Yeah. That's, that uproar told me how, how what a brilliant job Bioware had done because everyone was so invested, you know? And writing is hard. Writing endings is very hard. And now try writing an ending with thousands and thousands and thousands of co-collaborators. Yeah, and then you come back to me and complain. We'll talk then. <laughs> I really didn't. I quite liked it, actually. Good. But I'm not just saying that because you're present. <laughs> I'm Jennifer Hale, the voice of... Um, a few couple other lots of dozen things, thankfully. And you've been listening to The Kind of Epic Show. Alright guys, next up is Drew Powell from Gotham. He's Penguin's loving sidekick, Butch. And local Indiana native. Anyway, this was a fun interview. I hope you guys enjoy. Scratchies, you know, a lot of things from the one in my gift bag. And I helped make the gift bag. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you know, yeah. nothing. Got nothing. Yeah, you heard I it really here first, folks. Yeah, exactly. Drew, Drew Powell is Drew just Powell good got... acting because he won the lotto. <laughs> he won the lotto. The Ghostbusters scratchy. <laughs> Take you back to 1984 when that annoying commercial from the Hoosier Lottery was <laughs> yeah, still on the air. Yeah. Well, if, uh, if I haven't buried the lead, we are here at Indie PopCon with uh, Drew Powell, who I think a lot of people are going to know from, from Gotham, um, but also the Pee Wee Herman show. What? Yes. What? I haven't had a chance to watch this on Netflix yet, so I'm going to ask this question blind. How the heck did that happen? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I auditioned for this thing, and at the time it was like, yeah, you know, Pee Wee Herman's making a comeback. We're going to do a little show at the Henry Fonda Theater in L.A., and then apparently it sold out in like an hour, and so they upped the venue, and then we did it in L.A., and then we went it to Broadway. So it was uh, essentially the, the Pee Wee Herman show, the Pee, Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee's Playhouse, on stage, and it was uh, it was a trip. I played uh, the voices of uh, Randy and Mr. Window and the Flowers, and then I was also a new character, a mute dancing bear. You'll have to watch it to figure that one I'm out. I'm contemplating that, and I'm just like, that seems as though you can't say the secret word. That seems to be yeah, exactly. something that's <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. The uh, secret word was the sonnet to the new dancing the, bear. The dancing yeah. bear, yeah. <laughs> no, it was fun, though. It was a trip, man. Definitely an experience I will not soon forget. And I won't take up too much of your time, so I don't think I'll bury the lead again, which I did before. Although, if you do win the lottery, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta definitely invest that into uh, more donuts. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, appreciate the donuts, man. Right, well, that's what we've learned today: is that donuts open doors. They do. They yeah. do. That's going to be the tagline for the article. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, I want to obviously talk about uh, Gotham and, and your character there. Um, so it's had an interesting arc in terms of uh, being uh, essentially. It's, it's more like a, your character is more like a character on Game of Thrones than yeah, a, that's <laughs> right. 
like, yeah. you're like, uh, you want I should do this, boss? Yes, you yeah. want I should do this, other boss? <laughs> yes, Can yeah. I be the boss? <laughs> yeah. when, when, when is my turn? Yeah, I feel like that's kind of Butch in a nutshell right there. I think you nailed it. Yeah. And I also call the, uh, the my new prosthetic hand my Jamie Lannister hand because I feel like it's very similar. Uh, mine's not gold, but it, it's uh, it's got the same look. Now, just to be clear, we haven't met your sister on the show, so there's not anything. <laughs> as, as far as I know. This is network yeah, TV, exactly. not on HBO. Right. Unless Tabitha is something that we don't understand, uh, I don't think there's a relation there. Um, have you have you been uh, in, er, kind of surprised because initially it was a, a smaller series order and then it expanded over the past two seasons now and into a, and into a third? The, just the amount of, of like character reveals. Have you ever been surprised when you get a script and you're just like, oh, I had no idea that I'd be interacting with, with this person or this character? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that I, I wasn't surprised that the show would do well. I mean, it's, it's Batman, yeah. you know, it's, it's done by Bruno Heller, who's one of the great TV minds. Uh, so I, I wasn't surprised that it was going to do well. I, I, I'm constantly surprised at, at what the writers come up with and uh, a big curveball for me was when Tabitha and Butch got together in season two and, and didn't see that coming. I thought that was really neat. And, and just different ways in which they've expanded Butch's character, but also brought in all these different characters. You know, I think like, oh man, how can they bring all these characters and make it work? But then they do. And so um, I'm always, I love being on a show. I've said this many times and it's so true. I love being on a show where you can't wait to get the next scripts because you want to find out what happens. Uh, and that's certainly the case with this show. What's the uh, the preparation like for, or what's the uh, the set like in terms of, of just saying like, oh yeah, so this is the first day of the show, I guess I'm in Gotham. That's yeah. that's a literal. I mean, yeah. it is the title, so I mean, I yeah. was assuming I would yeah. be there. But the one of the the questions that people people have had about the show for a long time is just like, is it contemporary? Is it set in its own time period? Is it like it's such a nebulous thing? I don't ever think it's answered. You know, I, I, I think I think it was Bruno, but maybe it was somebody. Somebody said it best, in my opinion, where Gotham is that kind of place in between, like when you're in a dream and things feel normal and natural, but then everything's just a little bit off. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where Gotham is. It's in that dream world between reality and, and fantasy. And, and, and that's kind of what's great about it because it's not supposed to be real life. You know, it, that's... It's comics, you know. Comics are an escape from real life, but it's as close. It's close to real life, and so it it bridges that gap between the two. And, and that's one of the things I love about it. I love, I always love Batman because, to me, it wasn't about superpowers and it wasn't about you know this otherworldly stuff. It was more rooted in the human condition. And um, and I think they've still managed to really be true to that on our show. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I I always say Gotham is the number one character uh, in the show, and it's true. Thank you for answering my meandering question with a very good, serious response. <laughs> I was like, so, Gotham, that's cool. And anyway, where the heck does it take place and in what time? And you're like, but, but, well, it's not a time, yeah, it's a place. It's, uh, but that's a question I get a lot. I mean, I think we're, we're, you know, we're trained to kind of put, a, put place and date and time on a, on a show, especially on television, especially on network television. Um, but I don't think you can do that in this case. And, and I think that's for the better. I do find it interesting, so it is something I actually enjoy as, as, uh, as an element of the, of the show. Um, and I wanted to, to come back just to the fact that you, you mentioned the, the local connection here to, to Indiana, and I think that um, we have, we're a local show, even if uh, the article won't be. <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> but the, uh, um, it, it is an, an inspiring thing for, for people who are in, um, in local drama or in, in theater or 
to um, look at somebody who is successful and is able to, to make their way from the state. And what was your, your early background? Did you do any acting here in Lebanon or in, uh, in Indiana? Yeah, I did. I mean, as a kid, I look, I mean, I started in my parents' living room, you know, performing with my cousins and, you know, any opportunity to, to sing or dance or make, a, make up a silly skit. So, I mean, it was kind of in my blood from the get. But uh, then I had a few things. I did a commercial when I was in fifth grade for WTHR, the, the NBC affiliate. I think it was a promo for Bob Gregory, uh, the weatherman at the time. And then I did some theater in and around Indianapolis and definitely did some in high school. And then uh, went to DePaul University in Greencastle and, and did a lot of theater and did some, some uh, TV stuff there as well. They had great facilities. And, and then, uh, you know, I got to my graduation time and I was like, I don't know, what am I going to do? And I decided to, to, to make the leap and, and head out to L.A. and, and you know, never look back. So it was a... I, I, I really, for me, it was it was a lifetime of building up to that point, um, and it was look, it was hard. You know, it's hard to go to a place where you don't know anybody and you you have no idea how it's going to work. And but that's the leap of faith that um, you kind of got to take when you want to pursue your dream. And, and uh, luckily for me, it paid off so far. So what I'm hearing and what our listeners are hearing is that the requirement for becoming a great actor from Indiana is donuts and Bob Gregory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the, the strangest answer to that uh, of all time. But, yeah, sure. Let's go with it. You heard it here first. That is patented. <laughs> that is patented. That's right. But no, I just I didn't want to take up too much more of your time. And it looks like uh, like you may actually have some. Just based on my friend's conversation. But yes. uh, I wanted to see if, uh, if we could close by just talking about um, uh, any other upcoming projects that you, you want to promote. And... Uh, uh, just what we can, can seem to expect more from uh, your character on Gotham. Yeah, cool. Well, we, we start um, uh, season three to next week. Or mm-hmm. Actually, tomorrow we have our first table read. Uh, so that's exciting. And uh, getting into season three. And I've read the first two uh, episodes, and they're great. It's going to be a very cool season this year. Um, and then, uh, I, you know, I did a, uh, a web series with my buddies uh, that people are really digging uh, called Man Jam the Series. It's Man Jam is what it's called, and it's manjamtheseries.com. And we did Guys, don't type in manjam.com. <laughs> Go to manjamtheseries.com. Manjam.com is totally different. Uh, but, yeah, manjamtheseries.com, and it's basically six five-minute episodes of um, kind of this, this bunch of middle-aged guys in a rock, in a rock and roll garage band that finally get a gig and uh we had a lot of fun it was you know my buddies that literally played in a garage band for the last several years and we're like we're a bunch of idiots let's put that let's put this down on uh, on tape if you will um so that's fun and, and we're hoping to raise some money to do season two of that and then uh you know there's a couple i got a couple movies coming out later this year or early next year one's called geostorm with uh, gerard butler one's called message from the king uh with chadwick boseman and so, um, so yeah, that's that's. Uh, it's been nice to get little bits and pieces in between uh, all the Gotham stuff. So I feel very fortunate. We're glad to hear it. Uh, is that uh, you're talking about funding? Is that anything going to be crowdsourced or anything that fans can help out with? Well, we we haven't gotten we haven't figured that part out yet. We may end up doing that. So uh, you know, if, if people dig it, then uh, it's. I think sometimes that's a good way to find out the success of a project. <laughs> it's like, okay, here's here's a little taste of it. Do you want to see more? And and that's a kind of sometimes a cool way to figure it out. So we may do that if we can't find a sugar daddy between now and then. <laughs> it's almost like a plot. If you're a jam band, you do tend to need one of those. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I'm Drew Powell. I play Butch Gilzine on TV's Gotham. 
and I'm here at Indie PopCon, and you're listening to Kind of Epic Show. One take. <laughs> <laughs> One so take much. wonder. Dude, I- Hello, recorder. Hello, computer. Well, anyway, we are here with uh, Lynette Eklund. Want a chair so you can get down at the mic with me? I will. I will take there a chair, Lynette Eklund, person yeah. who I am with at Indie <laughs> PopCon. Well, uh, if, if you don't recognize the name, you will recognize the credits that are associated with said name. She actually has a list of them <laughs> in front of me. Well, it's five pages, so I have to kind of... <laughs> oh, well, you and Tara Strong were not helpful on IMDb. It did not, it was not easy to research questions. It's just like, well, I mean, we get, uh, did she do that thing or not? I can't see. What? The list is too long. It's five pages. Five pages. Find what? Well, and I, well, no, this is Instinct with oh. uh, Anthony Hopkins and Cuba Gooding Jr. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah when I, I started listening on IMDb, there's over 50 um, IMDb credits. But the thing is, IMDb is not complete because that doesn't account for commercials or amusement parks or, you know, all sorts of other things. So I end up having a website as well to get the whole picture in. I see a Totoro. Did you make a Totoro for uh, the Ghibli Museum or something? No, it was actually for what, when the movie was popular and they'd wanted one for appearances. But it's so large that I had to make it so the head would come off and then the back opened up so it could roll up like a carpet because otherwise they couldn't ship it anywhere because it was so huge. So. Wow. Uh, okay, I'm, is that Ghoulies? The Ghoulies, it is Ghoulies, Ghoulies it's, yeah. the, it's the Ghoulie God. Now, when I made that, they just wanted to, because they were all hand puppets, and they told me they wanted to have something that they could show the feet where it was actually running, you know. Well, then, according to them, because I, I never saw the script, according to them, when it got there, they liked it, they rewrote it so that he was the ghoulie god, so he <laughs> ate the other ghoulies, and then they killed himself. Then they killed him. Well, I didn't build him to blow up. If you recall, he blew up at the yeah. end of the movie. Oh, am I giving away spoilers? <laughs> I think most people have seen the movie by now. It's not a spoiler. But So they blew him up, but I didn't make him to blow up. So they filled him full of explosives, and they set it off, and it just went poof and stood there. So they filled it up a second time, and they went poof, and it just stood there. So they ended up rotoscoping the explosion over him because they couldn't get the suit to blow up. <laughs> That's a sign of craftsmanship. I also see Ultraman over there. Yeah, um, the Ultraman powered, and I was responsible. Um, I was I was in charge of doing like the monsters, you know. So you've got the Red King and this kind of stuff. And so there's right here on the table. There's Bolton, and there's Durago, and there's Chimera, and there's Zaton over here. And then uh, we took him to set that we were shooting those in a parking lot in Burbank. And the, the, the one thing that I think the fans were disappointed with was the, the fight scenes were a little confined. But the sets were so, they built the sets so small that by the time you got Ultraman and the monster on it, they didn't have a lot of moving room without falling off and killing themselves. So I think that that was the one flaw in that particular ser- Ultraman series, you know, compared to some of the other ones. So. Um, I love the, I'm very proud of the way the monsters came out, but I wish that they had gotten to fight more aggressively because the suits were capable of it. I regret not coming here earlier. We could have had an hour-long kaiju conversation, and I would have made you deal with it. (laughs) You would have just had to put that up. (laughs) Ripley's Adidas? Yes. This was from Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. Oh, oh, okay. Not Ripley's. Uh, 
Bill, uh, built these shoes. Uh, Bill Bryan, who did the Marshmallow Man for Ghostbusters, he and I were in charge of the, the project for building these shoes. And we built the giant shoes, and then there was a smaller one, which was only about, you know, eight feet footprint or so, for, so that you could see the tread. We got them built, and about three days before they were supposed to go to Vegas, they informed us that due to the power lines, that once it was on the truck, it wouldn't fit under the power lines, and we had to figure out how to decapitate the high top oh, off the tennis shoe. So what you're seeing in this picture with the top being cut off was an afterthought because it wouldn't fit under the power lines. So we had to decapitate them, take them to Vegas, reassemble them, shoot in Vegas, decapitate them again, take them back to Burbank, reassemble them so that they could finish shooting then oh, wow. at home. That's funny. That's what they have to do with the Rick Moranis. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, we, we buried the lead. But I mean, the reason we brought donuts, I'm not saying they were a trap. You've heard that many times. That's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you worked with uh, some of the character creators and you, you created a, a very memorable character that people will have just seen in The, the Force Awakens again in Admiral Ackbar. Well, so. I... Now... To be, to be honest and fair, I, I didn't actually work on the Star Wars Aqua. This is for Star Tours. For, for Disney? I'm sold. <laughs> I, so, so I what I did first was I, I built, uh, for the Pangalactic Pizza Parlor in Tokyo Disneyland, I had to build 18 puppets in like three weeks. And when I delivered them, they introduced me to another gentleman named David who said, oh, I need an Akbar puppet built for Star Tours. And so I was hired to do the, the Star Tours Akbar. So now I've created a limited edition series from the, the Star Tours Tokyo Disneyland Akbar for the Star Tours. Thing. Did we get stiffed? We didn't get Akbar in ours. <laughs> <laughs> we got we did get Nadat. Nadats yeah. are impressive, but Akbar can actually lead an armada and defeat an evil empire. Huh. That's 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 his ability. I still have mine. Your Teddy Rooks. I do. Yeah. I did the uh, salesman samples and the, the patterns for the manufacturing that went over to the Orient for his manufacturing. Oh, wow. So that yeah. was actually one of my first jobs. I can, I can attribute that to the breakthrough of my monster-making career. Oh, because wow. Because when I was over there, you know, a friend of mine said, hey, go get a job over there. You know, they're a new company, so they'll hire without much experience. My portfolio had, like, two pictures in it. So I went over and got a job doing the toy manufacturing stuff and then they decided to do a live action television series well they just did the pilot and eventually went to animation but that that live action tv series mm -hmm. to get the suits built they brought in suit builders nice. so all of a sudden here comes the people that did the suits from dune they did the marshmallow man that was the first time i worked with bill Bryan. <laughs> and all these people came into the shop as freelancers to help build these suits so then they scattered into the wind when the project was over to go into the various shops because we all freelanced. And so then when I started freelancing and I would go into these shops, I had people who knew me So because I had worked with them briefly. And so it did that that toy prototype opened up the doors to a whole career of monsters. That's awesome. <laughs> we've actually we've had a lot of character creators on the, on the show in the past. We um, Brian Henson? Uh, we did. We had uh -huh. Brian Henson, um, your your friends here who are your uh, yes. table mates Sig from, Rashad, uh, from yeah. Face Off. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and shout out for one of them being from Muncie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, well, actually, it's Sig and he's from Newcastle. Yeah. yeah but, um, but yeah, we uh, ended up uh, the th one of the things I, I don't think we've ever asked though is the environment of a shop like so what was it what was it like uh for you as a as a creator for the first time like you say being able to talk to all these people and then you're like oh i can follow you now 
<laughs> I can go well, and use a, I have a toy box, well, as it were. I actually have a steady job doing this. The, 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 com the camaraderie in the effects industry, the whole, you know, you hear about how small Hollywood and stuff, it is. And But the thing is, it's also sans politics in a lot of ways in that one time they would hire me to work for them. Well, the next time I was hiring them to work for me. So whoever's the boss and whoever's the employee would change a lot. There are some shop owners. You have you have your effects gods. You have your Rick Bakers, your Stan Winstons, your Greg Canams, the people that you know that are up there. But but back in the day, it's like you know you were hiring each other a lot. So whoever got the contract hired the other ones, and so you were basically hiring friends. It's long hours. Um, as far as the, the atmosphere in the shop, the shop environment changes because since it was all freelance, sometimes the shop was nothing more than a rented warehouse that they would set up temporarily for the film, and then when it was all over, you were gone. Um, part of no, except for Ghoulies. Ghoulies clearly had a gigantic <laughs> three-story, four-story, we're talking, Ooh. set up. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it did. Or it had basically a two-warehouse thing that John Beekler had as a permanent setup, but it was literally roll-up garage doors in a in a warehouse unit, which was what most of the effects shops were, the roll-up garage doors, because there was no air conditioning, and it was the ventilation. So when you were gluing, you went out in the parking lot where you wouldn't melt your brain and burn every cell in your head. But also, a lot of the shops are in bedrooms. Um, my shop is in my bedroom. Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Child was done in my bedroom. Beetlejuice was done in my bedroom. <laughs> Billy Baloney from Pee Wee's Playhouse was done in my bedroom. I mean, it's like, I slept, I had a one-bedroom apartment, I slept on the sofa, and my bedroom was the shop. I was in a small apartment building at that time. Downstairs was another makeup effects artist who worked for Rick Baker. He had uh, uh, talked the landlady into allowing us to turn one of the two-car garage units into a shop. So he had the essentially the, the dirty shop that, where the sculpting and mold making took place and the fiberglassing and all. And then I had the clean sewing shop upstairs in my apartment. So this little apartment building had massive film pieces being made out of it and nobody knew that it was basically I mean it's right across from North Hollywood High School it was an apartment building yeah. so the, the shop atmosphere is very depending on the project now when you got the Stan Winston shop that was like you know walking into heaven for an effects artist because that was clean and organized and had retirement pensions and all the, the cool <laughs> things that, that the rest of the industry didn't offer. So the, so. Thing, the thing that you've said is very similar to the thing that the indie gamers are saying. You know what's a really great thing about being successful? It's called having businesses work and not have to deal with things like pensions. That's on our list. It's like, is multiplayer uh, compatibility on? No pensions. Mostly that. <laughs> yeah. Well, or just or a paid sick day, for goodness sake, yeah. you know? Just looking through the, the film credits here, I'm like geeking out at every one of these. It's amazing. I wanted you over here for this reason. Uh, and you, he's cursing himself for not having brought the camera today now. Oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you slacker, you. Uh, well, I went to film school. Oh, I graduated well. from Full Sail. Um, and one of the movies, not necessarily uh, The Lost World, but Jurassic Park is a reason I went to film school. Mm -hmm. I remember watching a uh, behind-the-scenes featurette. Uh, <laughs> Uh, watching a behind-the-scenes featurette for uh, ILM uh -huh. for the first Jurassic Park, and it's the reason I went to film school. I, I knew from the age, young age of like four or five that that's what yeah. I wanted to do. I, I told everybody in fifth grade that I was going to, when I was 19 or 20, I was going to go to Hollywood and work for the movies. I didn't know what the role I wanted to do. I just wanted to do something involved with the movies. And so yeah. it wasn't until I was older that, you know, thanks to Hammer Mummies, 
You know, yeah. the, the, those are the one. That's what actually got me in love with monsters. Was oh, those, wow. The mummy movies from, from Hammer. Classics. So it's, it's I, I'm almost ashamed to say it. It seems like almost all my friends, the first words that come out of their mouth is Godzilla, and me, it's Hammer Mummies. <laughs> <laughs> I own just about every movie on that film list. Well, good for you. Yeah. Buy more. Buy three. <laughs> right. <Very> small. <laughs> I mean, all the way down, I, I have the entire Puppet Master series. There you go. Small Soldiers. I have the Species. Nightmare. I have, most of these I have. Yeah, I hadn't even brought up the Species trilogy yet. Yeah, that, that's probably, I think, the thing that people would most uh, be able to recognize because um, that is uh, a body horror film. So they sold yeah, that entirely yeah. on you. I don't think anyone had met Mila Jovovich because she had never been introduced to anyone yet. <laughs> and she was introduced as, oh yeah, remember that giant bug monster lady that, from space? It wasn't Mila Jovovich, it was... Uh, oh no, I'm thinking of the fifth element, I'm yeah, sorry. Uh, You're throwing me off with uh, your impressive no, credits, I didn't, lady. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't in the first place. Elizabeth Henstridge, maybe? I can't remember. I can't remember. That wasn't Natasha's. Natasha uh, Henstridge. Yeah. I just remember impressive, scary alien bug lady. That's right. how I remember her. Gremlins, everything. But then oh, the species, man. actually, it, the Dana He was from um, Mortal Kombat was one of. She was the main suit wearer, but then there were some times where she wasn't available, and they had other stunt people come in. There was there's two of them that got credit. I did not get a screen. I got a screen credit as a puppeteer. Mm -hmm. I did not get credit as a suit wearer because I wasn't a stunt woman, and I and so they were supposed to only be putting stunt women in the suits. Yeah. So, but I ended up doing part, portions of. I call it the underwater sequence. It's actually the dream sequence, but it, we were shooting underwater. Um, and then I also was in it for some of the cave stuff at the end. And then the, the poster, the, the, on the box set, the trilogy of the alien and fetal position ended up being me because I was available for the photo shoot in that day too. So I remember one of the first times I got to see that poster, I was driving down to, I was coming over Laurel Canyon and got stopped at a light at Hollywood Boulevard and the bus went by and it had one of these big decal advertisements and it was me. The, the size oh, wow. of a bus driving in front of my car. <laughs> it's like that was quite a shock, and of course I didn't have a camera yeah. with me, so yeah. I have no picture of that. If you'd been on a date at that moment, that could have been super awkward if you'd chosen to make it. You'd be like, you, "Do you see that giant alien woman who <laughs> kills people with sex?" Me. Well, it was almost that awkward though, because the first date I ever had with who was my now husband, and I, I can't believe that ever happened, was going to see Species, scre the screening for Species. The thing is, I hadn't read the script. We, we had just seen the storyboards. So I didn't know I was taking a first date to go see this this yeah. nude alien woman slaughtering men all over the place. And that was my first date. So I figured that would probably be our last date as well. But we actually ended up marrying. I don't know how he got through to trusting me, but it worked. <laughs> It was a trial by fire. Oh, bloody was it? <laughs> do you have well, this is what I do. <laughs> nice to meet you. We went, we went out for dinner afterwards, and he's like, and so we're me and my friends had worked on a film, and so we turned to him and said, "What did you think?" And he's just going, "Uh, da da da." <laughs> what are you supposed to say? Please don't kill me. Yeah. You know. <laughs> What is jackpot for the Indiana Lottery? You're the second Indy Lotto mentioned this week, and really? we're not getting a sponsorship from them. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, all these commercials, are they available on your website? You, uh, is there a way to watch them? You know what? I don't know. I'm going to have to start trying to hunt them down through YouTube because you have to remember, I'm an old lady. Some yeah. of these things were done before there was YouTube. Yeah. So, so I honestly don't. And 
And what's really bad is that part of the time I was working so fast to do this many pages of work in oh a lifetime. God, yeah, I was sure. working so fast that I didn't necessarily always snap a camera shot either. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you were in a shop and under confidentiality, you could not take photos. And so you had to pray that you could get a hold of a photo later. So yeah. some of the stuff that I've been do getting is, thank you, is screenshots because she I scorned don't our have donuts anything. for a healthy lunch. Hey, Bob Hefner, good for lunch. <laughs> my friend. My, that's my friend, Bob Hefner. Oh. Okay, I have to ask you just because I love this. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I love this credit. Diver Dan, question mark, question mark, Asian amusement well, park? Well, if, if somebody can please tell me the name of the amusement park, I would email it to me. Um, Diver Dan, it was a, a man in a diving suit, and then there were also some hand puppets, and they were for some a, a par amusement park in the Asian countries, but I was subcontracted through, so since I wasn't the one directly involved with the amusement park, they weren't concerned with telling me who it was for. I was working for them. So it was Diver Dan, there was a puppet named Bubbles, there was a puppet, there, so there was like this, this orange goldfish, there was a blue puffer fish, and Diver Dan, they, I was I really loved the way the suits came out. The, the puppets were cute. I have no idea what amusement park they're from or if the park still exists because in the Asian countries there are so many amusement parks and so they kind of come and go. Some don't exist, so I don't know if Diver Dan is still alive. So anybody who can tell me, please do. This is the internet. That's how that works. Yeah. Well, yes, please help me. Help me. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, there's a, there's a couple things like that where I don't know what they're for. There's also some skeletons on there. Um, here's a picture of one of them here on the table. And they, too, were for an amusement park, an Asian amusement park, and that's all I got out of the client that contracted me to do them. They, and, and they again, they turned out beautiful. There was, a, there was a dozen of them, and they told me to, to design them however I wanted as long as I did them all in shades, you know, white, gray, black. I had to stay in that. And then they lit them in purples or greens or something to give them all this contour, but I basically had to make them black and white, and then they filmed them accordingly, and they were used as ghosts in some kind. They were filmed and then projected, you know, kind of the Haunted Mansion thing to, to be uh, ghost skeletons in an amusement park, and I have no idea what amusement park. So, you know, I have holes in my own portfolio because when you're being subcontracted, you're not dealing direct with the direct client. You're dealing with your boss, you know. Gosh, I just wanted to say thank you. The only, I'm just taking a look at the, the time is the only reason I want to cut this yeah, yeah. short. Although we are going to be following you on the Twitters. There will be many. We're going to we're gonna find this mystery. We will resolve. Yeah, we, will, <laughs> we will set out to do this. Diver this dance and skeletons. David's going to begin a, a documentary series. Yeah, 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 right? This is going to be the thing that gets you back behind the camera, David. <laughs> hunt down Diver Dan and hunt down the skeletons. But no, we are very grateful for, you, for your time today. Just to close, uh, we always do uh, kind of a quick throw to... Um, which is just you introducing yourself, uh, where we're at in the Pokemon, and uh, say that you're listening to the kind of the epic show. The kind of epic show. So this is Lynette Eklund, and we are at Indie PopCon having an absolute blast, by the way. So if you're not here, you missed it, and we are listening to the kind of epic show. show. The kind of epic show. <laughs> I'm brain dead. It's day three. Yeah. I actually have one. Yeah, I'm back.
I am back. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed our interviews here from Indie PopCon 2016. We had a great time. Can't wait to be back next year. Like I said, keep an eye on our YouTube page for more content. If you follow us on Twitter, that's at Kind of Epic Show. You'll also get notifications of our content there, and as well as links to other exciting things that we're doing. Anyways, I'm David West, and enjoy your evening. Hey listeners, this is Micus, creator of the Kind of Epic theme song, Zombie Kids. If you're interested in finding out more about my music, you can check me out at micusmusic.com. Also, I am on iTunes, Facebook, and SoundCloud. You can look me up as Micus Music, and that's M-I-K-U-S, and you know the rest. Alright, peace out everyone. Keep listening.